It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. I love so much being with you here on a Saturday morning. Hey, good morning. It's Ashley Frasca, traffic reporter Monday through Friday, garden personality and student by Saturday morning. And I love sharing the show with you. So we're right here for the next three hours. Want you to call 404-872-0750. JR in Riverdale, you're my favorite guy today. How are you? Good morning. The question being here, a blueberry uh, bush it produced really some nice, pretty little small blueberries, and either the birds or little people got them all. I mean, I, they actually cleaned the plant off. Wow. But then the the, uh, the leaves fell off one time, and the plant came back. Now, it I've had it in a five-gallon pail, mm-hmm. okay? And uh, I want to go into a planter, but I don't know if it's better to go into the ground or a planter where you have, I guess, eight hours of continuous sun or can they have a little bit of shade? Is there a requirement when I move it again? And again, what is a good size container that it will grow and uh, prosper in? A five-gallon bucket or a large pot like that is probably good for the first three years, depending on the varieties. Um, you know, rabbit eye and, and high bush are pretty common here. Um, but after, I would say, year three, you got to keep going bigger. And when we think about transplanting them into pots, you go up one one inch in size when you transplant something. So ideally, JR, you do what's best for you as far as the amount of sun that it can get at least half of the day. So, I mean, we're talking eight to ten hours of sun. Um, a lot of people have great success mounding them ever so slightly, you know, planting them just above ground um, in, in the lawn. But my two are in pots and they have been for four years and they do fantastic. And that's easier to control, too, as far as having a netting or something like that on there to keep the birds away. I follow Walter's uh, self-watering tomato plants. Yeah. Really good working example, model, whatever. You, if anybody wants to try that lives on a patio or uh, concrete somewhere, uh, that that works really well. I put the plant in that, and it's you know it's working well because I have the drain hole in the bottom, and I've got the center hole in the middle of that self-watering tomato plant. Can you give me a brief description of what it was he was talking about? What it is is you have two five-gallon pails together. Uh-huh. In the oh. center of the pail, you have a uh, Dixie cup, uh, regular, what, uh, 12-ounce, 16-ounce one. Uh-huh. You cut out a hole for that. Then you put a slit in the side of that, put it into that hole. Then you put a hole on the bottom of the first pail, two and a half inches from the bottom. Uh And then you get a PVC tubing to go all the way down to the bottom, cutting a hole like one inch, whatever size your PCV tubing is, Uh down to that second hole. And then you uh, run it down to the first pail where you have your, your larger hole cut out. Then you put your plant and your dirt on that first pail. Now, the bottom has, that's where your water reservoir is at. Yeah, so and one five-gallon bucket is loosely set into the other with, what did you say, about a gap of an, an inch or two in between the bottoms yeah, of yeah, the when, pails? When the two five-gallon pails fit, fit together, it's almost perfect, uh, two and a half, three inches when they, okay. when they fit together. So that a weepage of the water comes up from that bottom. And, of course, when you water continually through that PVC tube, mm-hmm. you never really overwater. Not worried about overwatering, and it's the plant's the plants do well. Yeah, I think that sounds like it would work just fine. Um, the only thing that, in my experience, root rot seems to come on a lot more quickly, at least it has for me, 
on something that's woody, like a blueberry rather than a tomato plant. So if there's a lot of rain, that would be the one time that I would take those buckets apart and really check the water level because you don't want it to stay super, super soggy or else you're going to have root rot. But shoot, yeah, I mean, that should be fine, especially like you said, if it's a situation where it's on a deck or a patio or something like that and it just gets blazing sun, I think that might that might regulate it pretty well. And you can, and you kind of keep, now, as far as me transferring it over, uh, the, the height of the plants right now coming out of the soil, I should just keep it, I shouldn't really put more soil over the bottom of the root, so to speak, just transfer it from that level in the pot that I have into a brand new fresh pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And em- not- yeah, and emulate the same conditions as far as the soil goes. And now's not the time, but I would use a slow-release fertilizer. A cottonseed meal, I think, is one, or malorganite or something like that when fertilization is necessary. That way, with something slow-release, you're not having to use it as often. As long as it's done in the shade, uh, is there a time that would be more ideal than right now, or... As long as they keep the plant watered until it gets to be cooler to transplant, or is there a, okay to do it now, transplanting to a, a new larger pot? You can transplant now for sure, but I wouldn't fertilize just because the fertilizer works best when something's in active growth. And granted, the blueberry is still alive and, and active, but it's just not, it doesn't need that energy right now from the fertilizer. So um, I, I wouldn't necessarily do that as long as you keep the soil moist and new fresh soil when you're transplanting it. That should be enough. JR, you're so on the right track. And you know what? I may post later if I remember when I get home. Um, You know, obviously our our blueberries are done now, but we just used two by fours and built a cage just loosely with the two by fours, like two on the inside and outside edge, two on the left and right sides, and then stapled, use a staple gun and use just a loose netting and stapled that up over the top and the sides of these two by fours and I just rest that whole big frame. It's about five feet long. I just rest that whole big frame that's got netting stapled to it over the two potted blueberries that I've had on the deck. And I have not once had any issue uh, with squirrels or birds or anything like that getting the fruit before I do. So netting is definitely something to consider as well. Thank you for the call, JR. Tommy Indicator, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Ashley. So you've got some advice for us. Uh, well, I just wanted to share a little something. This is a great time uh, to harvest uh, some plugs if you've got warm season grasses right now for your lawn. You got a bad place. Um, rather than doing, you know, the excessive edging, I see a lot of people do with the string trimmers and stuff. Mm. Rather than that, I take a flat blade shovel, sharpen it real good, and then just plunge in. You know, go a couple of inches from that area, plunge in, and then just dig that out, soil and all, and you can just kind of, you know, you can move it over if you've got a thin area or a bad area. It seems so it. wasteful. I mean, you know, you want to keep a neat, tidy lawn, and, yeah, when those plugs are coming up over the gutter line or something like that or starting to go into the street, it seems like such a waste, you're right, to use an edger because that's really good plugs that could be used in bare spots. Exactly. That's, exactly. okay, so really sharp shovel. Yeah, yeah, for me it works, you know, a flat blade shovel. I actually... Uh, kick in, I don't know, a couple of inches from my driveway. And, I mean, you know, I've got stuff growing under my car now. When I move it, I'll just dig it out and move it over. Uh, you know, of course, you know, you amend the soil where you're going to plant it. And then if you dig out a chunk like I do, then just get some good soil, throw that in. And, you know, use this time of the year, it'll probably have grown back in, back over again before it goes dormant. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe plant those plugs about six inches or so apart, depending on the size of the bare spot. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. The only thing with that, though, is, you know, if you leave too many voids, you're going to get weeds in there. <laughs> ah, true, true. We do <laughs> yeah. not. Gosh, that's our biggest enemy right now. Public enemy number one is all the weeds. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I also wanted to weigh in. The guy that called, I believe his name was Tommy. I think it was, too. <laughs> talk, he was talking about trying to get an area ready to plant, and he was also talking about eggs, uh, raising his chickens, and how flavorful the eggs were. Well, there's a, I've never had any experience with it, but there's a, a, a little deal you can build called a chicken tractor, and basically mm. it's a portable coop. And, you know, you let the chickens uh, do their thing there for a while, and it helps kill the weeds, plus there are men in the soil, and you can move it. You know, I went online and looked, and they even have some. You can do them in PVC and then, you know, cover them with chicken wire. And there was even one, you know, with wheels on it, like a hand truck. Wow, so it's so it's a frame, like for a yeah. coop with the chicken wire, but it's not anchored down to the ground in any way. Well, yeah, well, some of them, you know, they look like they were, but then, like I said, one I saw, it actually had wheels on it, and so... I mean, I don't know how much time it would take to, you know, to actually clear the weeds or whatever, but, I mean, you know, he's got the chickens and, you know, he's got the chicken manure, so, I mean, put it to work. Yeah, that's free labor. You put those chickens to work other than just laying eggs. (laughs) So that is a good way to clear out some land, too. Yeah, and we had joked about, I remember Tommy's call, we had joked about, like, he's got two old cars or something, and I said, well, yeah, you park those on the ground and... No sunlight or water is going to get in those spots, but you want to be careful of any oil spill right. or anything coming from the cars. Right. Well, Tommy, that's awesome. I love that, man. Thank you. Portable, Great. You so what, take care. What did you Google? Portable chicken coop? Uh, I just did a uh, chicken tractor. They call them. I've heard them. <laughs> I've heard people talk about them before. I never looked it up or anything. But after he talked about it, I just went online and looked that up. I love it, chicken tractor. All right. Well, thank you, Tommy. Hey, you call anytime. I think you've called once before, haven't you? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, I, like I told you, I've been listening since Kathy had the show. You know, I've listened through Walter's time there and everything. So I've been a long time listening. Yeah, I know. We had talk, talked before, maybe two or three months back. Well, hey, anytime you have something brilliant like that, I could use it. So please call in, okay? Thank you. Oh, so good to hear from you. Chicken tractor. That I, Just the visual of that is the cutest thing in my mind right now. <laughs> and hey, thanks to Sarah who hit me up on Facebook. Green and Growing WSB is what you search for my Facebook page. She said another name for the chicken tractor. It's the Cluck Wagon, of course. Thanks to JR and Tommy. Great inventions. We'll be right back after the break. I'll give you the top three things you can do in the lawn this weekend. You're listening to Ashley Frasca on Green and Growing on WSB. I'm Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz. Low 70s today with a mostly cloudy sky, but we stay dry. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, low 56, high 71. Now you know how to plan for your weekend. That weather update is sponsored by Finley Roofing. So we're off to a good start here on the show. Happy to be with you, Ashley Frasca, hosting Green and Growing on your Saturday morning on your radio for September 19th. I'll be here until 9 o'clock this morning, of course, and then Dave Baker and the Home Fix-It show take over. And at the bottom of the hour, Walter Reeves, the former host of the Lawn and Garden show, joins us as he always does with some tips and hints and tricks Things I've been wondering, things maybe you've been seeing and wondering in your landscape. Walter's always got the answers. And now, some things you need to know to do this weekend. Timely things in the garden. Green and Growing! Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Oh, sorry. Got a little distracted. 
I was talking to Jason about what music he was playing. Okay, so yes, we're back to this uh, garden to-do list. According to my friend, certified aesthetic pruner Norm Mitleider, you can trim Japanese maples now. That's if you haven't already done some pruning. Clean out dead limbs. Don't be, don't hesitate to cut those out. And look for duplicate branch systems. If they're serving the same purpose, if they're kind of running parallel to each other, they crowd one another out and you can do that. And fall is our ideal time to be planting trees and shrubs. So if you've always wanted a Japanese maple, make sure you've got a good spot in the landscape for it. Please don't plant it too close to sidewalks, driveways, or even up against the house because then it doesn't have room to grow. Now, in my experience, I don't expect too much really good grass to grow underneath Japanese maples, but the colors and the leaves and the trees will reward you as long as you pick out the right variety. And if you pick it out from Pike Nursery, they have a lifetime guarantee on trees and shrubs. All right, number two, fire ants are most active in warm weather. A lot of you saw that over the summer and early early summer, late spring. Most people treat when they see active fire ants. That's okay. But according to an entomologist at the University of Georgia, fall is the best time to fight them. So you can apply baits now. Go to the store, look for Amdro, something like that. And consider using boiling water to treat a mound that's near an area where you don't want any chemicals. If you're trying to look for maybe a little more of an organic approach. And number three, this is a big one. I should have started with this one. If you haven't already, seed your fescue lawn. So you want to seed for tall fescue now. September is the ideal time. The air temperature is great. The soil temperature is great. Broadcast the seed in one direction and then go back kind of in a diagonal pattern and do it again. That way you ensure good seed drop. Water well for establishment. And you've got to know you have to have good seed to soil contact. So hopefully it's not going to downpour right after you apply some of that seed. Maybe you aerated, that's fine too. Be sure to keep on top of watering it. And then we talk about a pre-emergent, trying to put down a pre-emergent chemical to prevent winter weeds from germinating. So if you're going to do this, if you're going to seed your fescue lawn right now, you got to read the label on that bag of pre-emergent chemical before you do that. We want to give the fescue seed time to establish and time to germinate. So you may have to wait four, six, or eight weeks, just depending on what the bag says, from now before you put down the pre-emergent. But if you do both of these in the fall, you're going to be really happy with your spring fescue lawn. All right, coming up on the show, Walter Reeves, as I said at the bottom of the hour, can't wait for him to dial us up on the phone. Oh, actually, he's already on hold. So stay tuned. You're listening to Green and Growing, and you can always find segments of the show, by the way, on wsbradio.com. Click on On Demand. If you miss any parts of today's show, we'll be right back. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Welcome back to Green and Growing. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca. And of course, I have a special person along for this half hour. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG (laughs) garden guru, Walter Reeves. Isn't it a hoot for you to get to hear that? It never fails to make me laugh. I laugh every time that promo comes on. That's great. 
And I right. we'll, we'll say OG Gardner. I guess it's yeah. old gangster, but we'll say old Gardner Gardner. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ancient Gardner. AG well, Gardner. Yeah, sure. And old as in cool, like O-L apostrophe. Uh-huh. You're not oh, old like O-L-D. Okay. There's a difference. I guess. But O-L is very close to O-L-D. It's you know, close. I hear it that way. O-L-D. Old. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got up on a Saturday morning to join us, Walter. And sure. what we're talking about today is really important for this time of year because I can speak from experience when I tell folks uh, to try to be successful with my fescue lawn and to try to make it look the best that it can. This fall application of fescue seed is so critical and so important to really give it time to establish and have the winter to kind of settle in and all of that. And you'll be so pleased that you did this now come March or April. Oh, sure. And I don't want to leave this conversation, you know, only to fescue seed, but at least let's just start there. Some tips and hints and tricks on how to make this the best overseeding ever. I think I want to introduce it actually by saying, even though fescue is a perennial grass, it lives for years and years and years, if it's in a, in a good place, it's perennial, but most lawns have some spots that died due to, you know, too much water, somebody spilled gasoline there, dogs peed there, something like that. So always you have holes in your fescue lawn. It thins out a little bit over the over the summer. And so this fall overseeding is really important because it just fills all the holes back in and things sprout during the fall and winter, grow really great next spring and next summer. It's lush. It looks great. And it feels so good to get out there and do it. So yeah, yeah. one of the hardest parts, though, of doing this, and I'll, I'll admit we don't do it every year, but you tell me if that's even necessary, is first of all, starting off with an aerator. Do you have to do that and get the plugs or no? It would be really nice. The best thing you can do to make fescue seed happy is to get it down in close contact with the soil. Good soil to seed contact, we call it. And just spreading the seed on top of the ground really doesn't get the seed tight with the soil. But they do an aeration first or some kind of heavy raking even. Gets little furrows in the ground or holes in the ground and the seed fall in there. And they're really happy to be growing in that kind of environment. And you know what's going to make that heavy raking, you know, if you don't have the the manpower or the money to, say, rent uh, an aerator, but what's going to make that raking a lot easier, perhaps, would be to wait until, and we've we've already had rain this week, but wait until that ground's a little soft, not muddy, but a little soft, and then, then do the seed and then hope for more rain and it'll rain it in. Exactly. Let nature do the work for you. A little softening with the rain and then raking and, as you say, seeding. That makes a great deal of sense as far as sequencing what you have to do. But, you know, actually, one of the things I think I was thinking, as you said, the first thing to do might be aerating. I was thinking in my head, you know, really, the first thing to do is to know how big your lawn is. And that's the key to knowing how much seed to put down, how much fertilizer to put down, how much pre-emergent to put down. How big is your lawn? Don't take the the word of the previous owner is you go out and measure yourself, a tape measure, and, and figure out how it is, at least close, at least close. Well, and I'll tell you, with grass seed being almost, if not more than $50 a bag, you do want to make sure you buy the right the right yeah, stuff and the right, right amount. amount. Yeah, you're right. The seed, if you have some left over, you can keep it if you try hard, keep it cool, keep it dry and all that. But it really does decrease in its uh, quality and viability between now and next spring. So it's a good idea, as you say, to buy the what you need and you buy what you need based on how big your lawn is. 
Do you have any strategy on how we literally go out in our lawns and measure things with a yardstick or a ruler or a measuring yeah, tape? Or tape measure. <laughs> you can measure your pace. I mean, men generally have a pace around two and a half to three feet long. Women generally, generally be around two and a quarter to two and a half feet long. You just walk along one edge, walk along the other edge, and if your lawn is sort of like a rectangle, it doesn't have to be a perfect rectangle, but sort of like a rectangle, multiply one side by the other side. This is all, what, sixth grade, eighth grade? Oh, mathematics math. is involved. One time, multiply one side by the other side, it gives you a number that is just square footage of your lawn. There's real sophisticated measurements that you can get um, instruments that'll do it for you, but they're like $200 to measure the, the dimensions of your lawn. And you got your feet, you can walk, you can walk, you multiply, hope. And so multiplying and walking, that's the easiest thing for me to do. So we measure, we know we, we buy the right amount of seed. Do you have right. any recommendations? I know you're not going to recommend a particular brand, but when we're shopping for grass seeds, you know, they all seem to be the same and make the same promises. And there's oh, yeah. three or four brands as you're looking at the box stores and at the nursery. Are there any key words on those bags that should jump out on us or things that should say? The word blend. I love the word blend because blend means you have two or three, maybe even four different varieties of fescue in the bag. And that is great because one may be better in sun, one may be better drought tolerant, one may be better for weed tolerance and things like that. And so having a blend of fescue seeds is great. That is what I would recommend. Look for the word blend, not the, not the uh, name and you know, the company on the logo, but get the blends. They work great. Talk to me about, we. I think we were able to uh, have this conversation with one another in the spring, but the different types of aerators. I think there's one that does like oh, yeah. a cup and then one with spikes. The pokies. <laughs> <laughs> the pokey one. Yes. Poke small spikes on, you know, you roll them around through the lawn to make a, a hole that's not very big. And I'm not really a big fan of those, which I like are the ones that have a hollow tubes, lots of hollow tubes, they stick down into the ground and pull up a plug. Those are much better for really, not permanently, but making a longer lasting aeration than the pokey ones do. So the hollow core ones, the hollow cone ones would do much better. Okay. And then when, is there an occasion when we use the one with the scoops, like the little paddles on the outside? And no. Okay. The pokey ones, I don't judge. I just don't think they do a good job. There's no real reason to waste your time with them. The hollow core ones, they do the best. And as I told people in the garden to do section, you know, top three things to be doing in the in the lawn this weekend, I did cover that yeah. right before you joined me on the phone. Oh, good. And just kind good. of giving that recommendation of your your you've got your little walk behind spreader. And you're going in one direction, just parallel lines, back back and forth, back and forth, back, back and forth. But right. then you change direction, meaning like you almost go diagonal or at a 90-degree angle. In perpendicular, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, perpendicular in the direction the you just You get much better coverage, much better, much, I guess more even coverage if you go in two different directions with your seed or your fertilizer, which, again, depends on how big the lawn is and how many pounds of seed or fertilizer you have in the having the uh, spreader, so you just sort of measure half of it and do half your lawn, or do the whole lawn, go in one direction and turn it right angles to do the rest of the lawn, or the rest of the spread at right angles to the first uh, direction and get it all out, but it'll be much more even, and that's what you're looking for. And here we are with Walter Reeves talking about overseeding for fescue, the perfect time of year right now to be doing this. What other grass types could we be seeding for or overseeding now? 
Not much. There are a couple of, you know, there's some people who like to oversee their Bermuda lawns with ryegrass, and that would be about the time to start with ryegrass. It's not something I really recommend because it really, ryegrass weakens Bermuda. You have to have a good, strong, healthy Bermuda lawn or fairway in the golf course to to withstand the stress that overseeding with ryegrass causes. So I don't recommend it for homeowners much, but if you want to do it, want to try it, look over my website. You can see some details about what to what to know and how to time your both applying the seed and also killing the ryegrass in the spring when it's time for the Bermuda to start sprouting and being green. So the, the ryegrass application is just essentially to keep something green in those yeah. Bermuda lawns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would much rather you get a professional company to do that. They have much more knowledge of how to time things. And again, it's a homeowner test. It's pretty complicated. All right. And we've got just a couple of minutes left here, Walter. And I wanted to cover something important too. So we're seeding for fescue, but we're also thinking, ah, I know I'm going to have weeds that are just popping out like crazy in the wintertime. So we really promote a pre-emergent herbicide, meaning to something to tackle those winter weeds before they even crop up. But now this is a huge caveat to anybody seeding for a fescue lawn or overseeding fescue lawn to wait yep. until they use that pre-emergent. Why is that? Why can those not be used in close proximity to one a, another? A pre-emergent is dumb. It may seem smart. It's <laughs> able to prevent the seeds from germinating. It seems like a pretty intelligent thing to do. But the chemical in the pre-emergent product can't tell the difference between your fescue seed and the weed seed. And so if you put a pre-emergent down before you put a fescue seed application down, the fescue seed will not come up because the pre-emergent will do its job, just won't do it very intelligently. So you can't use, I would not even, I don't think, try timing the two apart from each other. Just think I'm going to do my seeding, my culture of my fescue this year, worry about pre-emergence next year. Don't do pre-emergence with fescue with Bermuda and zoysia and other grasses that don't have, um, that we're not seeding them in the fall. Sure, use the pre-emergence then and run, oh, right now, risk. September 15th, and then in the middle of September is a great time to put a pre-emergent down. Okay. And for those of you who think, I've got a good fescue lawn, I really don't need to overseed this year. Right. You know, fescue is looking pretty good, and it's pretty tough, pretty strong. Right. So give us some brand recommendations if we do want to use a pre-emergent because we are not seeding. Well, let's see. There's Halts, H-A-L-T-S. Halts is one big brand name. It's found in a lot of places. Uh, Dithiopere is an active ingredient in two or three others. I won't mention some names there because I forget one or two of them. But if it says weed preventer, weed stopper, weed um, weed control in the fall, something like that, that's what you'd look for on the on the bag of these uh, products. And it'll just say put it down before these weed seeds germinate, which in, usually germinates in the late part of September, early October. So that's why it's important to time it right, time it now. So you put the pre-emergent down now. It keeps the seeds from coming out later. Perfect. Walter, thank you so much for your sage advice and your experience with that. That trips a lot of homeowners up, but I think they have the confidence now to go get it. Yeah, go get it. Get it done. And get it done now. Don't wait till December to put your free emergency down. It will not help you then. <laughs> All right. We'll catch up with you next Saturday. Look forward to it, Ashley. See you soon. We'll be right back on Green and Growing. You're listening to WSB. I'm Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz. Low 70s today with a mostly cloudy sky, but we stay dry. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, low 56, high 71. And we are back on Green and Growing. Thanks for tuning in. The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Now, I have a special guest with me. You've heard him on the show before. Norm Mitleider, specialist in Japanese pruning and the aesthetics of Japanese pruning. And also, he's talked about hydrangeas with us. Norm, welcome back to the show. 
Thank you for having me, Ashley. So I wanted to pick your brain on a few quick bits throughout the show today. Let's start with the conversation of sucker removal. I have had that call quite often in the last few weeks, whether it's a crepe myrtle or any other kind of tree. Now, I've recommended to my listeners on on a couple of occasions a product like Sucker Punch by Bonide, but I'm sure you have a better strategy. That is definitely a, a good product if you're trying to remove you know, suckers or water shoots around the base or you cut one down and want to get rid of it. But typically when I think of sucker removal, I'm thinking of a, an existing tree that has shot out these unwanted radical pieces of growth. Crepe myrtles can do this. You know, Japanese maples sometimes will do it. Anything in the prunus family, the cherries, plum trees, um, they're noted for doing that. Usually, the homeowner, as soon as they see it, they want to go out and remove it. Mm-hmm. My words of advice are to leave those and wait until fall, usually August, September, and then removing it. Because if you trim it in early spring, summer, when they occur, that will the tree is still in the growth status and will send out a replacement. So then you will get this ugly scar area having trimmed several of those suckers back rather than just trimming it once in the fall. And by then the tree is starting to shut down so it won't uh, send out a new one. Good advice, Norm. So if you can just be patient and throughout the summer when they're bothering you, there's no harm in mowing over those, right? Correct. Thank you so much. And how can folks find out more about everything that you do here for landscapes in Metro Atlanta? You certainly go to my website, which is artofpruning.com. All right, Norm, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. I learned so much from my friend Norm every time we talk. Well, coming up in the next hour, hour number two of the show, we've got Celebrity Gardener, the best of some of the celebrities that I've had on, whether they're garden experts or not. We can all learn a lot, and you can play along as I try to stump my three celebrity gardeners here in the recent past, three famous marks that I've had on the show, plus your calls at the bottom of the hour. Stay tuned for 732 and call in 404-872-0750. I so appreciate you being here each and every Saturday morning with me. This is Green and Growing. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.